Welcome to Master the NEC. We're finally at part five, the final episode of Article 334. Hopefully you've listened to the first four parts. And if you had any questions, you've emailed us at, at uh, info at masterthenec.com. Uh, or you visit our Facebook page or our Spreaker page. Uh, and you've done so and you've listened to these episodes. And, and hopefully if you have any questions, you've let us know. Uh, you can email us at info at masterthenec.com or you can visit our uh, www.masterthenec.com and there's a link on there to email us. Some of the links don't work yet because we're not really launching until 2015, but we put it up early. As with anything, we kind of jumped the gun, but they're there for you and we'll have episodes there. But you can listen to all of the radio shows from that website. Uh, you have the little console there, which will only show the most recent episode, but you'll see in the bottom right of that console, there's a little thing that looks like a notepad. If you click it, it'll show you all of the episodes that you can scroll through and listen to. It's right next to the little heart, which you're more than happy to click the heart and favorite the show if you particularly like a show better than one over another or whatnot. So, But I want to thank you for coming. Um, this has been a great episode where we've kind of analyze Article 334. Again, we, we haven't talked about every possible scenario with 334. Uh, we didn't get really too in-depth in integral devices that that are isolated in a wall that you would be able to, to treat in lieu of a box, uh, things like that. We, we talked about it, but we didn't get too deep because that's for other episodes. We're trying to keep the, the Article 334 palatable in a way so that you can understand it. And if it generates any questions, you're more than happy to email us in, about those questions. Or again, visit our Facebook page. Um, and your Facebook page, you simply just go to Facebook and search for Master the NEC, and you'll find it. Okay, let's get started. We're going to end up here on this episode with Part 3. Uh, part 3 is dealing with construction specifications. Uh, and incidentally, before I get started, I found myself down during this episode... I found myself calling parts, parts, items, numbers, whatever, and I just wanted to say it's it's very important to understand the structure. Now I do these shows on the fly. I don't. I do one takes, and I'm usually done. Um, so sometimes the stuff comes out of my mouth a lot quicker than I want it to come out. But you'll this this one here. This article has three parts: part one, part two, part three. Then you have different sections, and each part of these sections, they'll have uh, uh, subsections and whatnot, and sometimes I might call something a part or whatnot, but you, know, you can trust that I know the structure of the NEC. But sometimes when we're digging into it, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of comes out a certain way, so forgive me, uh, and I do that because, again, I like to put these out there uh, for you to learn from. And sometimes, they, you know, I, I'm like anybody. I get lost in the parts, the section, the subsections, the items, and whatnot. Style manual is important, but sometimes I get lost in it. So forgive me, if you will. All right, so we're at part three. We're using the 2014 National Electrical Code. Uh, if you have a 2011, that's fine as well, because I don't believe anything changed in this part either. So you're good to go. Uh, and basically what this is dealing with is the construction specifications for a non-metallic sheath cable. Uh, and this is all governed really by UL 719. UL 719, Underwriters Laboratory, uh, it is something that's put out that all the manufacturers will produce our products to meet this. Now, the copper, for example, that is designed 
and constructed or built or, or smelted or whatever you want to call it, uh, that is designed to an ASTM standard, uh, generally B3 or B8, depending on whether or not we're dealing with stranding or solid or whatnot that we're doing. But that is how we construct the, the product. And then the insulations, for example, that goes on the different types of conductors has to do with things like UL83, UL44, you, you know, all those type of things that have to do with thermal set and thermoplastic insulation. Then you get up to something like UL719, which is a construction uh, model uh, standard for non-metallic sheathed cable. And that's what the manufacturers produce their product to. And basically part three is setting some parameters to say that this is kind of what UL719 is saying, but we're going to put it in a way that it works with the National Electrical Code. And so let's look at it. First of all, we're looking at 334.100, which is the construction. So this is the overall construction of the, of the non-metallic sheath cable. It says the outer cable sheath of non-metallic sheath cable shall be a non-metallic material. Okay, so it's usually a extruded PVC material that goes over the conductors that has a paper jacket that kind of keeps it from the, the PVC outer jacket from in the extrusion process. It keeps it from sinking down into the valleys uh, and everything. It keeps it kind of gives it some rigidness to it. Now, you can make non-metallic sheet cable without the paper separator inside around all of the conductors, but it, it, you got to worry about whether or not the, the extrusion it sinks in and doesn't meet the minimum diameters that are listed in UL719 for that outer PVC. So, you know, most all manufacturers will wrap it all with paper and then extrude it in order to be able to make sure that that outside sheathing maintains its size that's necessary and it doesn't sink into the uh, valleys between the conductors. Okay, so that's what we do there. So now let's look at 334.104, which we're dealing with the individual conductors. It says that the 600-volt insulated conductors shall be size 14 AWG through 2 AWG copper conductors or sizes 12 AWG through 2 AWG aluminum or copper-clad aluminum conductors. So, yeah, you might still be able to find some aluminum 14 in a non-metallic sheet cable. I can't imagine any manufacturers produce that today, uh, but... The code says you can here, uh, so just kind of keeping with that. Now, it says the communication conductors shall comply with Part 5 of Article 800. So any of the communication cables that are involved in like an NMS product, and we talked about that in Part 1. If you are listening to this and you didn't listen to Part 1, you're like, what in the world is NMS? It's kind of a hybrid cable. It's a non-metallic sheet cable, but it also has data or data or, or communication or coaxial type of cable into the integral design of the sheathing, then it's just saying, look, this is the size of the conductors that have to be for the power circuits. Any of the communication stuff, that's got to comply with, with Article 800, and that's what that's basically saying. Then you go on to 334.108. That's the equipment grounding conductor, the EGC. Typically, in a non-metallic sheath cable, the, the equipment grounding conductor is going to be wrapped in individual paper wrap, and it's going to be between the two power conductors, the hot and the neutral. It's going to be right in between it. 
And if it's a like a 14-3, it's going to be bound with it, but it's going to have a paper jacket on it, wrap on it, if you will, kind of nestled in the wrap. All right, and then you'll have what's called filler wrap that goes with it, and that's what you cut off when you're stripping it and everything like that. All right, but anyway, it says, an addition in addition to an insulated conductors, that's the ones that you got to stall for the power, it says the cable shall have an insulated, covered, or bare equipment grounding conductor. So I could cover it. I could insulate it, uh, or I could put a bare one in there. And most of the manufacturers are going to use a bare equipment grounding conductor when we're dealing with uh, typical non-metallic sheath cable. Next, uh, 334.112, that's insulation. Now, that's insulation on these conductors that are installed. It says the insulated power conductors shall be of the type listed in table 310.104A that are suitable for branch circuit wiring or one that is identified for use in these cables. All right, so that's going to go back to UL719. It's going to tell us that, yes, I could use THHN in there, but yes, as long as I use a product that is equivalent to THHN, uh, and I'm just going to talk about THHN, then I could actually use that inside of it. Now, it's not probably not going to have, in fact, I know it's not going to have the markings on it that say that it's THHN, but it will generally be equivalent to a THHN. Okay? And so the marking it was what you would have to do on an individual conductor that you were going to pull inside of a, of a raceway, uh, but you don't need it inside of a cable, so there's no sense in spending that extra money to mark the conductors because they don't have to be. They're inside of a cable, and you're going to mark the outside of the cable. Now, it does say in here that the conductor's insulation shall be rated at 90 degrees C. So that's why you see NM with a dash B on it because that dash B signifies that the internal conductors are at least a 90 degrees C rating or they're constructed in equivalence to a 90 degree C, so that does meet the 90 degree requirement. In other words, don't look to strip your non-metallic sheath cable and expect to see writing on the individual black conductor, for example, and it say uh, THHN. Doesn't mean it can't, but you're not going to find that because why would somebody, you know, printing is expensive. Why would I go on and run printing on it when it's not required? We're going to print it on the outside of the uh, cable anyway. All right, so next let's go on to 334.116. Let's talk about the sheathing. So now we're talking about that outer sheathing we refer to as the jacket. It says the outer sheathing of non-metallic sheath cables shall comply with 334.116A, B, and C. A talks about a typical type NM non-metallic sheath cable. It says the overall covering shall be fame retardant, which is what allows us to install it in the structure anyway and moisture resistant. Now don't think because it says moisture resistant this has any use for being installed in a damp or wet location because we know that's not the case, right? Because we looked back in uh, 334.12b4 and it was clear that non-metallic sheath cable or type NM could not be installed in a wet or damp location. This is to add that extra level of protection during the construction process when you have a place that's normally dry but might be subject to something for a temporary condition that you're still going to add this level of protection to the inside paper and to the inside conductor. So it does have to be flame retardant, but it also has to have a moisture resistant component. And that's pretty inherent when you're talking about extruded PVC. So that one's easy to achieve, not, not that big a deal. 
Now, let's look at item B, which is NMC. Now, we talked about this in detail in part one, if you haven't listened. Very rarely going to find the NMC with most manufacturers because they produce a type UF cable, which can meet all the parameters of the NMC without having to produce an NMC and a UF. We just produce a NM, type NM, and then it'll produce a type UF. And you can use the UF anywhere the NMC would be allowed. But anyway, let's look at it. It says type NMC has an overall covering that is flame retardant, same as type NM. It's moisture resistant, same as type NM. But it also adds this fungus resistant and corrosive resistant component. Okay, the same as you would get with a type UF. But here you have it in a type NMC application. And then the last one is type NMS. Now, NMS, if you listen to part one, this has some data communication, uh, has data communication type of component that's built into it to kind of create a hybrid cable. It says the overall covering shall be flame retardant and moisture resistant. So that's, again, it is truly a non-metallic product. And then it says the sheathing shall be applied so to separate the power conductors from the communication conductors. So this is integral into the sheathing. So basically what happens is you have the, what you'll have is the individual conductors will be extruded. And then that encompasses the actual power conductors and the equipment ground. And then you'll have it kind of the data or the communication cable will be sitting on top of that. And then you have another extrusion over that and it kind of forms a, a, a combined product where the communication is kind of isolated away from the power conductors, kind of in its own little uh, non-metallic cavity, if you will. And it all is one cable, and that puts them all in one assembly. Uh, and that's kind of like a hybrid cable. Uh, that allows you to put communication and with power. Okay, so basically that's it. We've talked about the non-metallic sheath cable. We've talked about, as in a summary, uh, we've talked about what it is. It's a factory assembly of two more insulated conductors uh, encased in an overall non-metallic jacket, which we call a sheathing. Uh, we've talked about the three different types, NMS, NMC, and NM. Uh, most traditionally, what we're going to use in a residence is going to be an NM. We did briefly talk about what the dash B stands for, and that means that the insulation on the conductors within the cable is rated at 90 degrees C which permits you to make adjustments and corrections uh, where necessary, dealing with ambient temperature or current carrying conductor corrections, or when you're running through board holes with thermal insulation or foam, uh, or you're running conductors that can't maintain spacing, uh, then you allow you to be able to, under 31015B3A, then you've got to make some kind of adjustment. That's why we use the 90 to adjust it. We also learned that you can't exceed, at the end of the day, you can't exceed the, the ampacity value of the 60-degree column. You're using the adjustment and corrections in the 90-degree column just to make sure that after all that's done, you still have a conductor that can handle the ampacity. You just can't exceed that of the 60. We talked about running in unfinished basements and crawl spaces. We talked about how you can't run 14-2s, 14-3s, 12-2, 12-3s, 10-2, 10-3s along the bottom of the joists in a crawl space or unfinished basement. You'd have to run them on a running board or through board holes. But I could do a 6-2 or an 8-3, for example, and I could attach them to the bottom of the floor joists. Also, we talked about 334.30, which is securing and supporting that you're going to secure and support every four and a half feet and then with 12 inches and also within 12 inches of every outlet box, junction box, cabinet, or fitting. We talked about an exception to that, which allows you, if it's a nail-up plastic single-gang box, 
that you could, you'd have to, it's not really an exception, you actually have to secure it within eight inches of that because it doesn't have any clamp built into it. So you got to keep that in mind. So you got to make sure you put your staples, strap, tie wrap, or what have you within eight inches of those simple single nail ups. But for everything else, it's got to do within 12 inches. We also know that the cables had to be independently secured to all cabinets, cutout boxes, uh, junction boxes uh, directly. Okay. So you got to keep that in mind. You have some exceptions to that. You can read them, but that's the general rule. Um, we talked about physical protection, that if it penetrates through a floor, non-metallic sheet cable, that you have to protect it up to six inches from the point of penetration. And I would expect you to do that through the entire rough-in process. Okay, uh, And his only methods that you can use to protect it are EMT, rigid metal, uh, intermediate metal, Schedule 80 PVC, RTRC marked with XW, or other approved means. Ask your local inspector what he considers approved means. Uh, but I'm sure they're probably going to say, I don't know what you frame it in wood. It's equivalent. It's not going to get damaged. Uh, you got to check with them. But we do give you some methods to protect it as it penetrates that floor. Uh, and all that type of thing we covered. And uh, we talked about where you couldn't use non-metallic sheet cable. We talked about where you can use it. We talked about exposed work because we know that non-metallic sheet cable can be installed in exposed and concealed locations. You just have to meet the different requirements for protection if you're doing it in an exposed location. We talked about the bending radiuses. You want to bend non-metallic sheet cable gradually. You don't want to have sharp right angles. You don't want to have the, the, the interior bend from the point of the bend to the end of the bend. You don't want to be less than five times the diameter of the major width of the cable. Because if you have less than that, that's kind of taking like a right angle bend, then you can damage the conductor that's inside of the cable. So you have to maintain at least five times from the start to the end of that bend, you have to maintain at least five times the radius of that cable's flat width. In other words, the long portion of the non-metallic sheet cable. You measure that, do it times five, then you make sure you at least have that much uh, that many inches between where the bend starts and where it ends. That way you don't damage it. So we maintain that. So that means making those really tight bends with NM cable, the inspector should be turning it down uh, because you're not maintaining that radius, that minimum radius. Uh, we talked about the, uh, what else did we talk about? Oh, we talked about thermal insulation through board holes. you got to use the adjustments for that. We talked about it where you're running them with, uh, for example, horizontal or vertical. In contact with thermal insulation, you're going to have to adjust it. We talked about the general requirement in 334.80 that says that, hey, the opacity of the NM cable, NMC, and NMS shall be determined in accordance with 310.15. So that's how all of them are encompassed. That's why you got to worry about that bundling of 24 inches or more that you that you have to maintain the spacing. If not, you got to make an adjustment there. That's how you get back there through that opening statement in 334.80. Uh, we talked about the insulation. Typically, the dash B is going to give you the 90 degree. It doesn't have to be THHN, but it's got to be an equivalent to give you the 90 degree. That comes out of the UL 719. We talked about the three different types of sheathings. You're very rarely going to see NMS. You're hardly ever going to see NMC, but you will see type UF that you can use in lieu of NMC. Uh, and most importantly, you're probably going to work with type NM cable every day of the week when you're doing residential applications, one and two family and multifamily applications, and in some other structures as long as it's behind a 15-minute fire-rated assembly barrier. Okay, that's it. You know about everything that you need to know when it comes to non-metallic sheath cable. 
I encourage you to read it over again. I encourage you, since it is a small article, it's easy to cover in one reading, in one sitting, without it putting you to sleep. If you have any questions at all about anything we talked about today, maybe I didn't make something clear. Hey, I'm trying to spit it out as quick as I can. That's one of my downsides that people have always told me. I've talked too quick. Uh, I can't help it. I try to thinking that I talk quicker, that I can end these shows quicker, and it doesn't go so long. But then I end up being redundant. And uh, hey, we all have our little... Uh, problems and that happens to be one of mine uh, but I uh, thank you all for hanging in there and listening to the show if you have suggestions for other shows on other articles or sections within the code doesn't matter how simple it is uh, ask them and we'll be glad to produce the show just for you to listen and when you listen other people are bound to have the same kind of question that you have so thanks again God bless Merry Christmas Happy New Year um, and um, hopefully you've had a blessed year uh, I had a kind of a rough year. I lost my father in October. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm looking forward to 2014 ending. Uh, but it has been blessed. Uh, I did move to Texas and I work with a great company. Uh, so that was, there are some upsides to this, um, this year. But hopefully you all have a great year. God bless. And uh, join us again in 2015 as we got some great things coming, some great shows. Visit our Facebook page. Like it if you like it. Uh, visit often and register soon for that monthly pin giveaway. One of my hobbies is is, is uh, turning pins on a lathe. And I'll be giving away a, a, a custom pin each month in 2015 that I made with my own hands that are not going to be the little cheap slim lines. They're going to be nice pins. Um, so... Visit us often for that. Uh, again, listen to our shows, and if you like them, tell other people about them. If you like them, share them on your Twitter page. Also, visit us on Twitter at Master the NEC. We have a Twitter link. Join our Twitter uh, and uh, listen for future shows. Thanks again. God bless, and until uh, next time, stay safe.